All right, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. It's been a while. Brad, how are you, man? Yeah, we took a week off, uh, just like the NFL, but I'm doing pretty good. The Super Bowl is super exciting from the neutral perspective. Yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm excited to talk about that. Obviously, there was a nice breaking trade that happened this past Saturday night, and uh, we'll talk about little Matthew Stafford to the Rams, and uh, we'll talk about the train wreck dumpster fire um, that is Deshaun Watson and the Texans organizational. Just when we were situation. bragging that we had them all predicted right, it got worse <laughs> than we thought it could ever go. Literally worse than we thought it could ever go. And you know it's funny because like you know I've gone. back has requested a trade um texans are saying they're not going to trade him they're not they're saying they're also not entertaining calls which come on let's be honest you're entertaining calls but they say they're not they're not willing to trade him they don't want to negotiate they want him part of their long-term plan they have uh gone out and signed as their head coach um gosh I'm terrible with names. Name's not worth it. I don't remember Re- it either. Regardless, of, he's also the passing coordinator for the Chiefs back in like 2014 when they never had a single wide receiver catch a touchdown pass. And he was also the offensive passing coordinator or whatever for the Ravens who were dead last in passing um, right. passing offense this year. So he's not exactly a passing guru. Let's not pretend he is. Um Sean Watson, let's get to the facts before we go any farther, okay? Because we're this is there's a conversation to be had here. Deshaun Watson's coming off a pretty stellar season. He played all 16 games, all right? He passed for 4,823 yards, which was uh, top five in the league. Number one, I believe. I think he won that. Actually, yeah, you're right. That was number one in the league. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for pointing that out. He also led the league from quarterback obviously quarterbacks but led the league in yards per attempt at 8.9 it was uh by far the most he also had a 112.4 qb rating which was second in the league only behind aaron Rodgers, who uh is probably the mvp this year so number one in a lot of categories or number two in some categories and had a really great season 33 touchdowns only seven picks yeah, I believe they said he set an NFL record having eight losses with a QBR over 100. It's stupid. It's, yeah. on, it's honestly stupid. He had, he had more 20-yard-plus completions than Patrick Mahomes. He had more 40-yard completions than Patrick Mahomes, who's kind of the standard bearer in that those categories, right? Right. He had more than, than him in both of those categories. Um he, and he also did this on only 544 attempts, which yeah, is... Yeah, we, uh, we kind of talked about it before the season. You know, when some people were doubting us on our predictions about the Texans doing so poorly, we kind of told people, we're like, we understand, you know, you guys thinking the Texans are going to be better or winning these games just because of Deshaun Watson. 
We just and I fell into those is, traps in the times too yeah, this season. And we think, I mean, I always thought the team was just too bad that they couldn't overcome it. So, and the, all the stats point to that. I believe the Texans led the league in yards per play as well as a team. It's just, it's just stupid. So of all the guys that threw pass, more passes than, than Watson, get ready for this. Jared Goff, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady and Matt Ryan. Every single one of those guys threw more passes. Only one of them had less picks. Patrick Mahomes, he also played less games. I mean, he has almost half some of these guys. I mean, he had half the picks that Russell did. Yeah, I think we just had four minutes of Deshaun Watson's good. <laughs> like, he's really good. He's and which which fantastic. Brings, which brings us to the conversation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I don't I don't think this this conversation could go much farther unless we ask this question. What is he worth? Everything. I That's everything. I think I think every I think if there's no players involved, no players. Yeah, no players at all. He's worth five first round picks. If there's okay. no players involved, and I know some people think that's absolutely crazy, but it should be crazy. We've never had a quarterback as good as Deshaun at 25 just wanting out and he can go to any team he's on the he's on the table for any team so when you start to incorporate players and maybe a few second round picks you could maybe i think the least is three you're giving up three first round picks almost no matter who you're giving up at quarterback unless there's something even more crazy like josh allen or aaron Rodgers or some actual his level quarterback which i don't think is the case i think there might be like four teams that aren't going for deshaun watson maybe I want to add, and I didn't even know this. I just I'm looking it up as we're talking here. He also added 444 yards on the ground at five yards a carry and three touchdowns. The, he had a pretty freaking great season. Yeah, he like, accounted for almost like, 5,500 yards. Like absolutely out of this world, great. And we're honestly batting the eye at trading unproven talent. And I understand first-round picks, I, I've gone over this, I believe, on the pod before. You should get 10 years out of them. So you should have the, the five-year deal. It's the four-year plus one, right? So you, you accept the fifth year, and then that fifth year you can tag them, and then you can add another four-year contract. That makes 10 years, okay? When you're giving up four 10-year vets, I mean, yeah, it sucks to think of it that way. How many NFL players go 10 years with a single team? It's, it's pretty unheard of, really. I, I mean, I guess another thing I look at with the picks is if you were to give up your first round picks the next four years, mm-hmm. how good or how much better could those guys have been with Deshaun Watson? And you look at a guy like this and say you give up your next four year first round picks, you have the 2021, two, three, and four. Yeah. By 2025, Deshaun Watson's 29 or 30 years old. You still have eight more years with him with first round picks. And you look at a team who I think is a no brainer in being the Jets, having 122 million open cap is basically like having first round picks in terms of the veterans and free agents you're going to get at a time where it's shrinking. It's, it's a perfect time for the Jets, but I talk about Deshaun Watson. I, I lagged out there for about 30 to 45 seconds when you were talking about Deshaun Watson at the beginning. And uh, did you allude to the fact that Chris Sims reported that he's willing to sit out the season and not play? So Chris Sims, who is a, he's got connections in the league 
And from from sources he trusts, I, I mean, he, he said all this on the Cowherd show, um, from sources he trusts, Deshaun Watson is fully prepared to do what Le'Veon Bell did for the Steelers. If you don't trade me, I'm just not going to play for you. He does, He's not going to wear the Texans uniform again. So it, I would have to assume that the Texans would have this done before the draft. If they do not make a deal before the draft, I would anticipate us losing a year of watching Deshaun Watson. From everything I've seen, I watch a lot of sports radio. I look up a lot of sports articles, and I'm sure some of you listeners do too. And I think you guys are all coming to the same conclusion I am. We're going to be robbed of a year or multiple from Deshaun Watson, or the Texans are going to trade him. I I just think it's done there. They're going to lose JJ. They're going to lose Deshaun. They're going to have to completely rebuild. With that being said, you're looking at a Texans team who could have six or seven first-round draft picks in the next three or four years. So we're going to see a lot of players going there too. But in terms of Deshaun Watson, his time in Houston's done. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see if it's the front-runner Jets or Dolphins or if some team comes out of the blue and just you know throws four or five first-rounders at him and maybe a – an aging quarterback, young quarterback, or a defensive player, anything really. But, God, it's it's fascinating to watch because we've never seen anything like this. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it's pretty well documented. Unless you live under a rock, you know this. But he has a no-trade clause. And, you know, at, at first, when this news came kind of bre- breaking out, and it's like, well, he can kind of control where he goes. At this point, I think it's it's not so much that. I think they'd almost... I think Deshaun would honestly waive it for any team at this point. He just needs to get out of there. So any team can put in in their best offer and have a shot at him at this point. By the way, just to clarify something, because I know I didn't know this, or I might still not, a no-trade clause in a contract means the team can only trade you somewhere if you approve it. You have to waive it, yeah. Correct. So a no-trade clause doesn't mean the player's not tradable. He is tradable. No trade call, right? A no trade clause means if they're like we've agreed with the Jaguars on a trade, Deshaun Watson can say I don't want to play there, and the trade will not go through. Absolutely. That's what that means. Okay. Absolutely. I just wanted to clarify, and for people listening, some people n- might not have known that because I know when I hear no trade clause, I immediately go to how are they going to trade a guy who can't be traded? No trade, like if, if he what... can't be against his will. Correct. Okay, yeah. so they can't just ship him off to anywhere and get away with it he has to approve the trade basically or the team they're they're pretty rare honestly i mean not a lot of people get them worked into their deal and you don't expect to have to use them most of the time when you do yeah, it you don't yeah. hear it. It, the, the crazy thing is is like so the texans have signed deshaun watson to this record-breaking deal it's second to only patrick mahomes at this point and you're like well stop being selfish i think there's a lot to this obviously they they lost hopkins they, their coaching search has been an absolute train wreck, and a lot of people have argued, well, since when do players get invited to the coaching coaching higher meetings? It's like, like, come on. like We're not talking about just some, like, we're not talking about Rex Grossman working on hiring the Bears head coach. This is Deshaun Watson. This is the best player your, your franchise has seen in a while, and obviously you have J.J. Watt and Hopkins that played for you, and he's still transcending above the those quarterback. guys. He's quarterback, quarterback gives you He's a stinking quarterback. Like, let's not pretend he's something he's not. He's he's a transcendo player. I just read and, you his stat line this year. I mean, and some people will say he shouldn't have that power. Clearly, the notion around the league is that he was lied to. He was yeah. told he would have that power when signing the contract, and that 
that's probably made him excited. I'm going to be part of the rebuilding. I'm going to have a say in the quarterback and in the coaching and the GM search. Not say this is the guy, but when you get it down to three guys, let me give you my opinion on who I would prefer if you're up in the air. And they ghosted him on everything, so he's ghosting them now and telling them he's not going to play. So I think there's way too much behind the scenes than just to say, he signed a contract, he should play. Like, there's just been so many, yeah, like like you just kind of rolled your eyes, it's ridiculous. When you start to really read articles, if you're just someone who's seen some things that are shared and whatnot, go re- like read an article about what's, what's going on in the Texans organization. And I think it all started in about week 15 when J.J. Watt had that post-game interview and now you're seeing Andre Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins just they're right like get out of there like they don't do anything I I don't think it's if things get really ugly I wouldn't be shocked if the next team to move and be bought the owner sell the team could be the Texans they're one of the more recent organizations to pop up in the NFL I think they came in in the early 2000s if I'm not mistaken and um I don't think it would be completely shocking if someone was to buy the team and move the location and this in the next five to ten years we could see a whole reboot if this thing truly gets ugly and they hold on to Deshaun Watts and he sits out games because the no one's gonna want to come to the games. No one's gonna wanna, you know, they're gonna lose too much if they don't get rid of Deshaun Watson and they just sit on it to prove a point that, you know, players should like their contracts and whatnot. I, I just think this has potentially get really ugly, but it can all go away super quick if they just trade him for a Brinks truck. I mean, they're going to get so much if they trade him. And then who is, who is the best receiver in the league coming out of the 2018 season? It was Hopkins from the Texans. Who, who is the best receiver coming out of the 2019 season? Hopkins again. Who is the best receiver going into the 2020 season? There's an argument he made, but it was DeAndre Hopkins. So my point is, DeAndre Hopkins was traded this offseason. Do you remember what he went for? The second and seventh? Stephon Diggs was traded this offseason. Did you remember what he went for? Like a first and I have something. it in front of me. A first-round pick, a fifth-round pick, a sixth-round pick, and a fourth-round pick. The Texans don't know what they're doing. Watson doesn't want to play for them anymore. To sit here and pretend that he should have to is honestly just asinine to me. It's almost like the team thought, well, we have Deshaun Watson, so we can just put kind of bums around him because he'll just make them better. Like, that was their thought. Yeah. Like, get rid of David Johnson, we'll get rid of DeAndre Hopkins, and Deshaun will just make it work. Which but is then right. they weren't, they they're weren't right. adding anything on the defense. Yeah. When who have the Texans added that's helped them? Yeah, nobody. As, defensively. Nobody. Because offensively, you can say stat lines, but it was Deshaun. Yeah. Uh, if they and when they do lose Deshaun, they, they're gonna have the first overall pick. Let's talk about the guy that potentially reset the the trade market this past weekend for quarterbacks. We'll, we'll segue right into that. Matt Ryan, not Matt Ryan. Wow, Matt <laughs> Matt Stafford was traded yeah. to the Rams for Jared Goff, two future first round picks, which I believe have now been announced as the 2022 and 2023. Yep. And then this year's third round pick. Okay. So the things that they're going to see immediately, they're going to see a third round pick and Jared Goff. And then you have obviously Matthew Stafford heading to the Rams. Uh, let's talk about the obvious, the Rams. Who did they, uh, uh, what do you think? Did they execute a good trade? You think there's um, an improvement? Like where do you see I, them? I think the Rams upgraded at quarterback. 
Yeah. And it really seemed to be the only thing holding them back. Jared Goff was kind of a turnover machine. Um, and Matt Stafford, I mean, what can you say about the guy? Uh, I think it was uh, Chuck Kinnebrew and someone else before him. I think it was posted twice. And there's only two quarterbacks in NFL history with over 45,000 passing yards and less than 150 picks. It's Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford. Um, we always wondered, like, Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, like, what could they do if they went to a non-dysfunctional organization? Well, we get to see that with Matt Stafford. And I think it's very exciting for everyone who's not in the NFC West um, outside of the Rams. You know, I don't think it's – I think they immediately go to the second-best quarterback in that division. That's over Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray was sweet for about six weeks, and then everyone kind of figured him out. Double Hopkins, and, you know, we'll see. He's still young. But Matt Stafford's been proven, and in his time with the Lions, you know, he has he ever had a top 10 rushing offense? And outside of that, he's only had a top 10 defense one time. And I think it was once. I'm sorry, top 10 once, top 15, or top 13 twice in both times he made the playoffs. Yeah, and the time he had a top 10 defense, he went 11-5. and five. Yeah, I think it was Garrett Ferguson. He's a big Lions fan. We'll get to his question later on the show. He pointed out to me that Matt Stafford um, – oh, I just lost my train of thought. Gosh, I just lost it. He pointed out to me, though, something about Matt Stafford that was kind of astounding. It was um, – gosh, I totally forget. If let, let, me, let, me, my... let me go into some yeah. of my things, and I'll let you think. So here's, here's the biggest thing. If you're sitting here and today, if Matthew Stafford is so good, why didn't he win more? Okay, that's a that's a fair question. Let me let me swap it to you and make you feel stupid for a second. Do you know who is number two number one in the league in wins in the last four years? Mind you, I said four years. Do you know who number one in the league in, in wins is? It's pretty it's Tom Brady. Spoiler. Number yeah. two, you ready? Jared Goff. Jared Goff. Okay. Yeah. So if wins mean everything. If wins mean everything, what is Jared Goff better than Matthew Stafford? Absolutely not. Okay? Let's not sit here and act like wins are everything in this league. All right? Matthew Stafford has literally never succeeded because the Lions are an absolute dumpster fire of an organization. They literally made the playoffs with Stafford, with Jim Cardwell, and then fired him. Uh, the only good coach he's had in this entire time there, they fired him. This is... The organization doesn't know what they're doing, okay? Stafford has always put up quality numbers. And as you alluded to, the only time they had a top 10 defense, they went 11 and 5. The t- literally the only times they've been inside like the top 15 or top like 17, he's he's gone to the playoffs both those seasons. I the think- Rams have number 2 this past year. Yeah. What Garrett pointed out to me is I think he said during Matt Stafford's career the defense has allowed an average of 27 points per game Yes, in Matt Stafford's career with the Lions. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So it's like at this point, he needed to get 28 to have a chance to win. Now he's on a team that's more complete and he knows if he can get to 24, he's most likely in the driver's seat. I think that's, that's huge for his confidence. And when you look left and have Cooper cup and Tyler Higby and you look right and you have Everett and woods Cam Akers went for a thousand yards, left tackles, a pro bowler, and you've got that defense. I think the sky's the limit for this team. And I know a lot of people point out that the, that the Rams hit on a lot of their second and third round picks, 
but let's not forget their three best players are Donald, Ramsey, and Stafford, and they were all taken in the first round, all top five picks. So you can keep hitting, but the the real stars of the league most of the time are taken in the first round. Clearly, they don't have any for another three years now. But to get rid of that golf contract, you are going to have to pay a little premium tax. And I think that's where that extra first rounder comes in. I think if Jared Goff was still on his rookie deal, it could be golf a third and a first. That's why I don't think Stafford really reset the market because Jared Goff had such an ugly contract that they had to pay a little bit more. And it came out that the Colts, Patriots, and 49ers were all trying to get him too. So the Rams had to get it done. Um, It's a nice story for Stafford. Now he moves to L.A. He gets to live near his, his best friend, Clayton Kershaw. That's a cool little side story. I'm sure we'll hear a lot of that from commentators. And to the Lions side, you mentioned Jared Goff's wins. I don't want to get a ton into that because the organization difference between Sean McVay and kneecaps, like it's going to be two totally different coaches. But the Lions couldn't have done any better. They have. <laughs> I just got it. I'm sorry. You yeah. called them kneecaps. They have a, I, was, uh, I was waiting. I was like, wait, what is yeah. he? Dan Campbell. <laughs> they, have a, uh, they have a plethora of first round draft picks. Um, they have Jared Goff, who. I kind of agree. He's kind of a little bit of a poor man's Matt Ryan. I think that's about where he could be ranked at. He's not going to have the talent. Will they keep Kenny Galladay? I don't know. And that's why it's really tough to answer your question, Garrett, that you put in the comments. Are they going to go offensive or defensive? I don't think they draft a quarterback with Goff now. Um, I think they have two or three running backs, and they took Swift last year. If they can really hold on to Kenny Galladay and Jones Jr., I don't see a real – they have Hawkinson. I don't see a real reason unless it's a there's a monster offensive line at seven. I would anticipate a defensive pick. And I know if it's perfect with the Eagles, I've been kind of doing some, some pre-work in my draft. I think if I had to give you just right now, I think they would get Micah Parsons. I think they take the best middle linebacker. I, I think he has potential to be better than Devin Bush or Devin White from two years ago. Um, they both went into monstrous front sevens, so I think their numbers are a little inflated. But Micah Parsons is a uh, captain of the defense next eight to twelve years. I think that's where they'll go as defensive, unless somehow Panay Sewell makes it there. Unless Dan Campbell wants a quarterback behind Goff, I, I don't see those happening. They keep Kenny Galladay. They go defensive. Um, I'll hand it back over to you, though. I don't know what you think. Well, yeah, that was. I mean, Garrett Garrett came in with the question: Do the Lions go offense, defense, the number seven pick? And you answered it pretty money. I think they do need to address the defensive side of the ball, but I could see them wanting to, especially if they don't um, franchise tag Galladay because they don't really have the money to sign him long-term. They'd almost have to tag him. If they do want to try and make Jared Goff, if they want to win the divorce, as people keep wanting to say these days, (laughs) um, maybe they go out and they get Jalen Waddell, you know? Um, cause I do believe that the other two, both, uh, Chase and Devontae Smith are going to be gone. I think one of them will still be there at seven. I do. I don't think they really make it past seven because even if you have Galladay and Jones Jr., why not go out and grab a wide receiver? It all depends on Dan Campbell, really. Yeah. And, you know, Chuck, will golf go back to 27, 2018 form when he's in Detroit? I don't know that 2017 and 28 Jared Goff was great. I think it was a lot of um, 
off tackle runs with Todd Gurley was a lot of the success of this offense and short intermediate routes to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And it really goes to show you what Jared Goff turns into without Cooper Cup and you know his struggles this year to turn the ball over. He's going to have some receivers. I think they're going to probably ask him to throw it deep with what they have right now. I don't know. It, it, Jared Goff is a complete wild card in my opinion. I don't really so, know how to elaborate. I think um, I think Goff's career is on a steady decline until it ends. I don't. Goff had the best situation. He will ever see in his NFL career where he was at the Rams and he couldn't make it work. Um, you look at the offensive mind of McVay and he's like 40,000 and oh, when he's up at halftime, he's still unbeaten. It's like 37 or something like that. <laughs> unbeaten at halftime. He gave you the defense. And when you didn't have Todd Gurley, you couldn't do it. I, and, and I think Rams fans would agree that you, the games they lose, how do you, they had like, how many more yards than the Dolphins that one game? And they still lost because golf had like three picks and a fumble. You know, they lost to the 49ers when Nick Mullins was the quarterback. And I think golf had two picks in that game. I'm not going to get into his hand size. I don't think that totally matters, but he does fumble a lot when hit. He's going to a, a worse offensive line. He needs to have good play action passing. He doesn't have as good of a run game. And the amount of scheming that Sean McVay is able to do as an offensive mind, they really they, people put him and Kyle Shanahan as the next two guys to revolutionize the offense. And you can see it in their play calling. And Goff couldn't get it done. So there is absolutely no reason. Now, it, he possibly could, but there's no reason for me to try and predict he would be as good or better than he's ever been. Going to a team with a, a worse coach, worse offensive line, and I know they got Galladay, but I'm going to say worse weapons in total because Cup, Woods, Higby, whether it be Gurley or Akers, he's he's had all the weapons and and they couldn't make it work. And that's why I look for the Rams to make that leap because Matt Stafford's had to turn dirt to diamonds for a long time. And, you know, some people make the case that Matt Stafford, you know, his career was made from Calvin Johnson. And it's like, well, Marvin Jones wasn't super sweet, and then he was much better when he came to the Lions. Or you look at what Kenny Galladay is doing is a lot of that Matt Stafford because Matt Stafford's a great thrower of the football, and it's going to be really exciting to see him and Sean McVay work together. It'll be interesting to see where his fantasy numbers go. You know, where does he get drafted? Where does his value go? But Jared Goff, no, I think he's just going to get worse and worse. But for the Lions, having these picks in the next two, three years, and golf for three years when this trade ends Aaron Rodgers is going to be 40 41 years old so after all these picks that they're accumulating the Lions are going to have mostly three to six year players on their roster looking to make a run to take the division when Aaron Rodgers leaves because it's his until he leaves so we'll see what the Lions can do and we'll see what Dan Campbell can do I don't want to say it's over before it starts but I did not like that presser Yeah, I mean, I I didn't like the presser either, and honestly, I don't think it's a home run hire. Um, the Lions need they need a a lot shot in the arm. They don't need a motivational guy. They they need a genius. They need an offensive guy or a defensive guy, somebody that can come in and really control the culture. You know, there's there's been a couple of those guys that have been hired in the last couple of years. Obviously, McVeigh. I think Blind Flores in, in Miami is doing that. 
Uh, Mike Vrabel has been able to do that. Um, Kyle Shanahan, obviously. There's there's guys. There's plenty of them. Okay, and then you have your old school guys. Dan Campbell seems pretty old school to me. I know he's not. He's younger. You know, he just actually just came out of the league in like 2015, I believe. I mean, he hasn't been out of the league very long, is what I'm getting at. Um, I, you know, he's a former Lion. I believe he played on the, uh, I don't think he was on the 0-16 team, but he wasn't on a very good team. I don't know. There's a lot to unpack with that with that whole situation, but, I mean, we'll save that for another day. Let's go ahead and uh, let's get into the Super Bowl. You ready? Sure thing. This Sunday, February 7th, 6.30 p.m., CBS is going to be hosting the game. You got the Kansas City Chiefs at 14-2 and uh, in a neutral site game against the Tampa Bay Bucks that are 11-5, and but Super Bowl's hosted in Tampa, so the Tampa will have a um, what most people are calling a home field advantage, whether that is or not. Um, Lots to unpack. Let's let's go ahead and get into the facts. Okay, the Chiefs are the number one offense in the league, 16th in total defense. Uh, they have the number one passing offense in the league and 16th in rushing. Okay, Buccaneers are coming in at seventh in the league in total offense, sixth in total defense, number two passing team in the league and 28th in rushing. So, I don't know. I think these teams match up better than what people are probably going to give them credit for, and there's there's really a, a ton to get into. Um, we'll start here. Their last meeting was November 29th of this season, 2020, okay? And the Chiefs pick up the victory 27-24, but uh, that is really not a good indication of how this game really went. A lot of people remember this game as the game Tyreek Hill went for like seven catches and 200 and some yards in the first half. Yeah, he finished the game with 13 catches for 269 and three touchdowns. It's That would be a playoff record if it happened again, okay? <laughs> um, the first quarter was 17 nothing, and Tyreek Hill had a 75-yard and a 44-yarder in the first half, uh, or in the first quarter, but 17 nothing, okay? And then Tampa scores, make it 17-7. And then Kansas City kicks a field goal. It's 27 and a half. In the third quarter, Tampa Bay kicks a field goal, makes it 20 to 10. And then Kansas City scores a touchdown, makes it 27 10. So they're up 17 again. And then Mike Evans scores two different touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And the Chiefs got the ball back with four minutes to go and were able to do enough to keep it away. Game was closer than. Uh, than what the. I mean, the game didn't seem as close, but then, I mean, honestly, the Bucks. The Bucks in the second half did enough to really uh, get this game respectable, so to speak. Um, how do you see this one going? I'll let you uh, say whatever you want here. Um, if you were to ask me what two quarterbacks you feel the worst if you had to bet against them, I'd say Brady and Mahomes. These are two guys that I feel like whenever they're in a game, you feel like they're going to be the quarterback that wins, and it's going to take something crazy to beat them. Um, so. I don't like when when you ask people to pick who's going to win and they kind of fence sit on it. Oh, well, both of them are good. You know, I can see it going there. Like, don't be a fence sitter. Come out one way or the other. Like, who yeah. do you think? Um, I am going to pick the Chiefs. Um, for those of you that don't know, I think I picked the Buccaneers to win both games that they did. 
So it's not like I'm just like, I hope Brady loses. Like, it's nothing about that. I, I think it would be really cool to see Brady win his seventh. I mean, what is not cool about saying you got to see the best quarterback of all time? Like, what's not cool about that? So, and, and Mahomes, God, he's such a likable guy. I don't feel like there's anybody out there who, who doesn't like Mahomes or even Travis Kelsey. I just feel like they're a fun team to get around. This offense is virtually unstoppable. And as we know, both safeties pretty much missed the game for the Buccaneers the last time around. Winfield missed it. The other guy got hurt during the game. So their safeties, even if they played, they're not going to be full health. And their corners have struggled at times. And it doesn't seem like any team can really play, you know, you can't stop the Chiefs. They're going to score their points. And on the other side, you know, Brady's had some had turnovers in every playoff game this year. And I, I don't want to say that's worrisome, but if this was year two with Tampa, I think I would still feel better than year one. I still feel like there's some weird errors that are happening on the offense at times. And I don't know if that's due to familiarity or scheme, but sometimes, you know, Brady's thrown an interception against the Packers where I kind of like, Brady doesn't do that. He kind of just leaned back about to get hit, launched the ball up in the air and the Saints and Packers weren't able to punish the Buccaneers for mistakes. The Chiefs will punish them for mistakes. So that's where I think the game's going to be won and lost. I I don't want to sit here and say, oh, Brady's going to lose it for him, but I just think I feel more comfortable in the turnover battle favoring the Chiefs. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and put my final score. I think it's going to be a little scoregami-ish, but I'm going to go 37-24. I got the Chiefs by 13. I think they get it done, and... When I watched the first matchup, because, I mean, come on, who didn't watch that Chiefs-Tampa game? Yeah. It kind of seemed like the Chiefs let off the gas there a little bit, and then when they needed to ice the game, it didn't seem like they struggled too hard to get those first downs. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been off for two games, could have played last game, didn't end up getting any carries. So I kind of like to see Edwards-Hilaire, you know, get some carries too. But I just think the Chiefs offense, just like last year, their offense just proves to be a little too much, and I, I like the Chiefs to win the game. But if you were to ask me how confident I am, I, I've i been alive for 25 years, and it's never made sense to bet against Brady. So maybe I'm stupid for picking the Chiefs, but that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I don't think you made any bad points. Um, one thing I do want to allude to is, you know, Tom Brady did throw three picks against the Packers, all of them were behind the 25 yard line. So they were all essentially punts, you know, and uh, the Packers weren't able to capitalize any of those because they had to drive the field. It was like they punted, you know, so um, not a true quote unquote turnover in the sense of, uh, you know, you're getting the the ball in the enemy's territory and you're ready to score right then and there. So, uh, you know, not that Patrick Mahomes can't drive 80 yards because he very well can. (laughs) But let's go back to this. Uh, you know, somewhere along the line, I don't remember how long ago it was, but it was a while ago, I predicted the Chiefs wouldn't lose another game. Uh, I've been riding their coattails for a while now. I've been saying they're the best team in the league for... It was, uh, even, before, it was even before the Steelers lost five, their... I mean, it was... Five, I, I want to say it was closer to 8 or 9, because, I mean, the Steelers were undefeated for up until 10-0, and 11-0. And, and, like, the last two weeks of their undefeated, I kind of took that number one away from them and gave it to the chiefs and been riding them ever since. But, uh, this bucks team, I always knew was good, but they're doing things now that they weren't doing in the beginning of the season. And 
there's there's a lot to be had here with this matchup. I I absolutely love the Buccaneers pass rush going against the Chiefs. I absolutely think that is the X factor of this game. Um, why is it the X factor? Because it was the X factor in the Packers game and the, the Saints game and the Washington game. And, I mean, it outplayed the Washington pass rush, which obviously Washington's pass rush is elite. Um, it outplayed the Saints pass rush, which is also pretty good. Uh, the Packers aren't really known for their pass rush, but, I mean, it was dynamite. They got all over Rodgers. They forced the Packers to do things they hadn't done all year, you know, turn the ball over, get, you know, sacks on the quarterback. I don't know how healthy Mahomes' foot is, but I'm, I'm not going to assume he's going to be running all over the place. Not that he's really much of a runner anyway, but I really like the Tampa Bay pass rush to really inflict and uh, impose their will, inflict some pain and impose their will. At the end of the day, this game 100% can go both ways. So I'm going to be a little bit of a fence setter in that sense, if it can. Let's not oh, pretend yeah. it can't. It's it 100% Bowl. It should be can. able to go either way. It should yeah. be able to. Yeah. Um, but Tyree Kill's not going to go for 270 again. 269 will work. Uh, he ain't getting that. <laughs> I, two, he ain't getting 200 again. I'm not saying he's not getting 150 or 100, but he ain't get, he's not going to be – they're not going to blink and it's 27-10. Okay? And – that 27-10 from the last game was the closest 27-10 I've ever seen in my life because it didn't feel like it. It felt like it was 50-0. to zero. Watching that last game, it didn't seem close. This one will seem close. And at the end of the day, you know, I said this at the Packers game, that Tom would play his best game, and he had. But we still haven't seen a vintage Tom Brady game. You know, that first half was great. That second half, not so great. Thank God they were all punts, punts essentially, on those picks. Otherwise... We might not be seeing the Bucks here. I don't know that Kansas City can run the ball, even though they had a better rushing offense than, than Tampa did this year. I don't think they can run the ball to the extent that they're probably going to need to in this game. And the Bucks don't really allow much of a rush anyway. I, for me, yeah, it, it goes one way. I think it's Bucks 30-27 last second field goal, and, and Brady holds off Patrick Mahomes. Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, Tyreek Hill. I just think it's too much speed for that secondary. Um, Travis Kelsey. I, I don't think it would be crazy to assume that, that Kelsey and Hill could still combine for close to 250 combined. Um, I just think. Here's the thing. They don't, do that on a, they don't do that on a regular basis. So to predict that is bold. Yeah, and I'm saying. Uh, I as think long as you so. think that's bold. You're saying it as if it's just going to happen. You're making a bold prediction right there. Okay. Patrick Mahomes averages roughly 330-ish yards a game. I'm just saying I think Hill and Kelsey will combine for well over 200 yards. Well, not well over, like anywhere from 2 to 250. Yeah. I mean, in the playoffs, uh, when Patrick Mahomes have been playing both against the Browns and the Bills, it just seems like they move the ball so easily. And I get the Buccaneers' defense is better, and it's not those guys, but – I don't know. As much as they've already played each other, so that's what makes it fun too. They've already got a little bit of a glimpse at each other, but yeah, I just don't like bet. It's it's an offensive league, and I don't like betting against this Chiefs offense. Uh, it's burned me twice this year already. And if the Bucks win, so be it. I'm not going to be hurt. And if the Chiefs win, I'm not going to be hurt or happy. But I think the Chiefs win, and uh, 
I don't see any last second heroics from either team. I think the Chiefs are gonna are gonna win it comfortably towards the end. I think they win by ten to fourteen. I have it at thirteen, so that's just what I think. I think they yeah. go back to back. Yeah, I mean that's uh it's definitely not a crazy prediction. It could definitely I'm easily sure happen. We put up the put up the poll on the Super Bowl day. I'm sure that sucker is gonna be, you know, yeah, it's, it's, chugging along. So from what I've you know, from what I've heard from from different talk shows or whatever, is the uh, all the money is on Kansas City, but there's more bets on Tampa Bay, which means the Joe Schmoes are taking the Bucks, the rich guys are taking the Chiefs. Um, it's only three points, so I mean, there's there's tons of money to be had, and it's going to be a close game. I understand. I mean, you don't think so, but um, I think it is, and I think uh, I think the Bucks get it done. And at the end of the day. Uh, as as good as this Chiefs team is, and I, I've been saying it for weeks, they're very good. I think the Bucks are just as good. You know, they're they're in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and and the crazy to... thing the crazy thing is is like everybody likes to poke their fun, but I mean, look at every playoff game that they've played so far. Um, they were actually predicted to lose in in most of them. A lot of people thought Washington would upset them. That game really wasn't. I mean, Washington made it fun. Well, I feel, like a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people, true, and just a little bit of defense, thought Washington was going to upset him, anticipating Alex Smith to be the quarterback. That's fair, yeah. And when Alex Smith the goes pass rush, Smith, the yeah. pass rush post, posed a, um, a quote-unquote threat, okay? But yeah, that absolutely. game, just it just it was never really a doubt. And, and then the Saints game, is, as fun as that one, that really didn't ever get to a point where the Saints really were comfortably in a spot to win it. And the Packers game, shockingly, up until the fourth quarter, really wasn't all that close. It just seemed like it was like the Bucks could score when they wanted to. The the Packers were having their, their offensive troubles. Obviously, those things ended up switching in the second half to make it a fun game. But I don't know. I think the Bucks they do enough. I think they'll do enough. And, I just know uh, last year the Chiefs played a team that was, you know, had – had a good offense and a much better defense with the dominant pass rush in front seven. And the Chiefs offense is still able to, to pick up that shovel and bury people. And I yeah. just think it's going to be the difference. I, I think the secondary for the Buccaneers just isn't quite ready. I think the Chiefs do a lot with their screen game, their quick passes and stuff that they can slow down the pass rush enough. It's going to come down to turnovers. Who's going to have more in just trying to look at the pattern a little bit. Brady's thrown three, five picks in his last two playoff games. He threw three against the Saints, two against the Packs, I, Packers, I believe. He didn't throw any against the Saints. Am I thinking of the the regular season game then? Yeah. He threw two. He threw two last game, and they didn't look great. And that was a, I don't know. I don't know, I guess. I just, I haven't liked the way I've seen Brady play. The team has won, and they've done good enough. I just think that they're loose turnovers. I mean, like we kind of said after the Bucks Packs game, Packers game, we were kind of like the Bucks gave them every chance to win, they just couldn't do it. If we sit here and say the Bucks gave the Chiefs a chance to win it, I think they do it. So, I think the margin of error is so much smaller for the Buccaneers, but certainly their progress to this point resets our expectations for next year. Absolutely. So, well, the the biggest number that you gotta love as a as anybody picking the Chiefs or supporting the Chiefs or even betting the Chiefs. Twenty five and one. 
Patrick Mahomes in his last 26 games. It's it's pretty remarkable. His only loss comes um, at home to the Raiders in uh, in a game where they still scored, I believe, 33 points. Yeah, I think the I think the Raiders had to score 41. It was like 40. 41 to 33. Yeah. Never lost by more than a possession. It was an eight-point loss, 33-41, I believe. Yeah, I don't know. This game is going to be really fun. Let's uh, let's talk about the let's talk about the aftermath before it even happens. Patrick Mahomes beats Brady. I don't care by how much. I don't care if it's the thirteen you're predicting or it's one point. Uh, goat conversation. Um, the goat conversation will not be Patrick Mahomes is the goat over Brady. The conversation will be Patrick Mahomes is trajecting towards being the goat over Brady. You you have to win at least four before you can say you're the goat over Brady. I think the the win over Brady would carry the weight of at least one. I think if Mahomes beats Brady in a Super Bowl and wins five in his career, he has a chance. But obviously Brady holds all the statistics and everything. Brady is the bar. Brady is the goat. Mahomes, could you argue Hall of Fame career? I believe he would already have one. Super Bowl, two Super Bowls, one Super Bowl MVP, AFC championships, the records. I believe he would already have a Hall of Fame resume. But GOAT, not yet. Not even because he beat him head-to-head. But he would certainly at 25 be trajecting towards he should. And that's what the conversation will be. He should be able to pass Brady. He's already won two, win to AFC championship game. There. So it'll really be like any time he loses throughout his career, it's going to be like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to do this. It'll be really – his career will get super confusing, and it will breed a lot of hate towards Patrick Mahomes, a lot of love, a lot of hate. It'll be a bunch of nonsense, but he he will not be able to say he's the GOAT or anybody will be able to say he is after this Super Bowl if he wins. Yeah, my biggest thing is just like, and I, I said this last year too after they won it. Um, I think it's it's even it, it is increasingly silly to incre- to predict that anybody will have the type of career that Tom Brady did yeah. is having. I shouldn't say did because it's still going. Um, he's going to his tenth Super Bowl. Uh, regardless of the outcome, he'll have six rings, potentially seven. Um, pretty unheard of in any sport let alone what most people would consider the toughest sport to win in. Uh, And Patrick Mahomes is definitely on his way there. Uh, You know, three straight AFC title games and two straight Super Bowl appearances. And um, regardless of how this game, I don't care if it's 50 to zero bucks, Chiefs are a heavy favorite to win it again next year. So, yeah, I don't know. Lots to say there. Um, However, just to flip it real quick, if the Bucks win it, Patrick Mahomes would have to win eight to be able to be the GOAT. Patrick Mahomes could get the seven and tie Brady, but Brady would have the head-to-head win, and that would be the end of the discussion. So the GOAT is case closed on Mahomes if Brady beats him head-to-head, especially because it would have been, oh, Brady beat him head-to-head when he was 25 years older. or, what, or there's Isn't it 25 years is the – no, it's less than that. It's 25 to 43. So it's like 18 years or something like that. Like he would have beat him at such a age that even if Mahomes went to, got to nine and one seven, had a better win rate, 
He lost to him head to head. I just for me, it's it's just tough to to even talk Patrick Mahomes as the goat this early because it's like so when Brady won his three straight this early in his career, or he he was three out of four, but he won three straight Super Bowls. He was three and zero. Oh. I mean, people that were calling him the goat, there was still like, well, Joe Montana four and zero. Oh, you know, you gotta get the stats too. I you mean, gotta you get gotta... The, you gotta get the stats, and it's like Patrick Mahomes has two if he wins. It's two. also gener- like, it's also generations too because when he won him that early, there was still people like the majority of talk shows and the majority of like your parents that are talking. Joe Montana's the goat. He won four. I mean, people were arguing maybe even Bradshaw. He was four and zero in the Super Bowls, but you know, fifteen years later, you know, instead of being you know young, we're all now on the talk shows and the people we're watching saw it, and it's like you know, same thing with Jordan and LeBron. I'm sure like the generations underneath us will see some dominant player and try and look us in the face and say they're better than LeBron. It's just an ageist discussion unless you're talking about Wayne Gretzky, really. And even people who watch hockey are going to say that he's not the GOAT because it was who he played for, this or that. The GOAT discussion, I I think it's dumb because eventually you get to a point, it's kind of like politics, where you're just like tearing one guy down to make the other guy look better. And it's like, we got to watch Tom Brady. Like, yeah, he he ruined the Steelers winning Super Bowls. He ruined your favorite teams winning Super Bowls. And this guy and that guy, if you weren't a Patriots fan, they just beat you. I mean, that's just what happened. It was it's incredible to look back on and say I watched it. I'm glad I can say it's pretty much over because they're in the NF. He's in the NFC now anyway. So, but isn't it cool that you can you know in 50 years sit there and say you got to watch the best quarterback of all time play or you got to watch some of the greatest like you put a post about it we got to watch tiger woods lebron james ronaldo messi like the goat crazy the goat discussion's dumb i like making lists the top five or yeah things like that but when you get down to one guy there's too many variables too many different generations teams 53 guys on a roster how are we going to say one guy you know does everything so that's tough, but no, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Well, one last question. I think this is a hard no for me. We'll see what you say. Brady wins it on Sunday. Is that it for him? No. Yeah. He was never interested in going out on top. He had six chances to do that already. He doesn't care about winning or losing at the very end. I 100%. I, I 1000% agree with you, but there are still silly people that keep asking this question. With the team he has and the control that he has and the power that he has, he's got the roster to pretty much carry him. You can tell that he was throwing some balls away early during the regular season. In the postseason, he's sticking in the pocket, taking more hits. You know, you guys have heard it on radio, talk show, radio, sports stations and stuff. His brand TB12. That stuff only gets more and more authentic if he continues to play to 45, 6, 7, 8. Even if there is a decline, the man threw over 40 touchdowns and less than 15 picks. Why would he have any reason to go anywhere if his family's supporting him and what he's doing? And his family seems to back him 100%. Heck, his son was at the game. It's not like they have to. And with COVID, you know, doing the online training at home and stuff, he's probably with his family even more than when he can be any other time. So name me one realistic re- The only reason someone could have is, well, he could go out on top. He could have done that two, three years ago and stayed a Patriot his whole life. And, 
had like the Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Michael, J- well, not Michael Jordan, but that legacy of one team the whole time. He ain't interested in that. He's interested in pushing the envelope on what the modern athlete can do, supporting his brand and going for seven. And if he wins seven, going for eight. And if he wins eight, going for nine until the wall- wheels fall off. He's just a different breed. He's just a different kind of guy. We don't see players like this often. He's not retiring if he wins. He's not retiring if he loses. There's really two things that Tom Brady has said pretty much for a long time now, well over 10 years. I want to play for Super Bowls. That's it. And the second thing that everybody just seems to always forget, I want to play till I'm 45 years old. Uh, That's a goal. That is a goal of his. And after this year, I mean, you just alluded to it. He threw 40 touchdowns. How much of a drop-off can we really see in the next year and a half that he can't allow him to play until he's 40? At this point, it's happening. Just accept it, people. He's playing next year for sure. I just think that Brady, you know, the three guys you notice the most, like Brady, LeBron, and Wilson, who have made it public how much they spend on trainers and the hyperbolic chambers and the avocado ice cream and the new science and the pills and the technology, it's like, I think we should get used to prime athletes not being 24 to 29, but being 24 to 34. And then the late 30s, and then the guys who are old instead of late 30s, playing. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't take care of himself. You can see the decline, but he played well at the beginning of the year after elbow surgery that ended a previous Steelers quarterback career. And he's, what, 37, 38 years old? Yeah. That's what a guy looks like now, not doing all the extra steps to stay healthy. The guy who's going out in the offseason and just kicking it and the king of backyard football. And that's just one reference. But like the technology, the training, the fitness, the specialists now that are coming into to modern professional sports, you're, their careers are just being extended. And Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi in soccer are another example. Ibrahimovic, there's guys everywhere. If Ben Roethlisberger dropped off, pretty damn good stat line, 3,800 yards, 65% completion, 33 touchdowns, 10 picks. I mean, it's pretty similar to, honestly, what Brady had last year. Brady had a little bit more yards, a little couple, a few less touchdowns, and right there in the picks, and people said he dropped off. I'm like, what is dropped off these days? Because you're not throwing 50 bombs? Guess what? Nobody did this year. It's like... Yeah, we, I, we just need to pump the brakes with the drop off. And I think it's going to be more likely that players are reaching these 40 year old ages. And Brady, um, with everything that you've heard, I think it's fair to say that he's going to obviously play a little bit longer than 40. And obviously he has. Unless Brady's going out of his way to trick the American people or the world, because maybe it's a he's a global icon. That would be the only way. He said he wants to play till 45. That's at the end of next season when he'll be 45. And then he was asked if he would play further than 45, and he said, definitely that's something I would absolutely consider if I'm still willing to go 100% into it and I feel good. So there's no reason to entertain the idea that he would retire unless he suffers a catastrophic injury in the Super Bowl. Like, injury in the Super Bowl – it has nothing to do with him winning or losing it. I don't think so. So, no. No, no, no. I, I agree. That was a long no. That was a long answer for no. Yeah. <laughs> well, I uh, I don't have anything else. Is there anything else? 
No, I'm really, I'm really excited to watch Stafford play for the Rams. I maybe I'm a closet Rams fan. Uh, David, Chuck, Nick, if you guys are listening to the podcast, I know you guys are three uh, vocal Nick or Nick are vocal uh, Rams fans, but I like cheering for the Rams and and the Bears. Oddly, I don't know why I like those two teams so much, but I'm excited for Stafford. When when I have when I have friends that like a team. I typically, when my team's not doing, I like to see my friends' teams succeed. It's always fun for them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, during this year, I was happy for you that the Steelers were on that run. You know, um, thankfully, I don't have any Jets fans that are friends with me. You know, because screw them. <laughs> but you know, ultimately, when you know, I so I see why you said you said your your uh, Casey's dad's a Bears fan. You obviously want to see the Bears do good, and your friends are Rams fans. I get it. It makes sense. I mean, I'm the oh. same way. So. But yeah, let's uh I guess we'll log off on that. You guys, thanks again. Um it's been fun. I have nothing else. Go Draft Brady. In April, baby. Go Steelers. <laughs> Later guys.